2: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. On today's episode, Ben Elwood returns for part two of our Deep Dive Directors series, where we continue our look at David Lynch's European movie of Twin Peaks. My name is Justin Hamilton, and there's something very, very strange in these old woods here. At Big Squid. Thank you for joining me today. But before we get stuck into it, a quick reminder that this is. Part 2 of our look at the European Twin Peaks movie. I know sometimes when you're listening to this, maybe you're busy. You know, maybe you're getting dinner ready. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're having a shower. I don't know. Look, to be honest, you don't have to share what you're doing with me. But I just know that sometimes things can be missed. And so I'm going to repeat this a couple of times because... (laughs) Look, to be honest, I don't want a whole lot of emails saying, Hi, it seems like you started halfway through. No! No! This is part two, part two, part one is already up, so I'll wait for you to return if you haven't listened to it yet, I won't go anywhere, so if you want to go and listen to part one, I'm just going to wait right here, right here, so you can go and listen to it now, and I promise I won't go any further, I'm just going to wait for you, ready, and you're back, there you go, I told you I'd promise I'd wait, (laughs) this is turning into a Christopher Nolan version of this podcast. Ah, there you go. Have a drink. Uh, Just a heads up that over at bigsquidpod.com, you can find my latest blog, One Small Steph for Man, which is a blog about the joy I felt when I saw a photo of a young fella totally lost in the moment with Steph Curry at the NBA All-Star Game. You don't have to be an NBA fan to understand the blog. You don't have to be across basketball. You don't even really have to be uh, across Steph Curry. The blog is about not only feeling joy but choosing to do so. So, I'm getting back into blog writing on a regular basis. So, if you'd like to check it out, I would be wrapped with your eyes on my words. It's been fun, actually. After we've uh, revamped my site and, uh, you know, making all these little changes, and we're not finished yet, we're still moving forward with some ideas, and uh, I feel quite inspired. So, uh, very excited to be back doing that on a regular basis. Uh, also letting you know, there will be two podcasts next week. First up, Garth Jones returns with his "Past the amel segment. That is the segment where we look at exploitation movies. It's, uh, it's very fucking Aussie, 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 but in a good way. And we've seen the new Wormwood Apocalypse movie at the cinema, and it was an absolute blast. I had such a good time. Just... Uh, specifically the, the audio in the cinema, was fantastic. And uh, I think this, uh, this Aussie exploitation flick is the Mad Max 2 of zombie films. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but uh, if you see it, uh, uh, you'll be quite across where I'm coming from. It might be hard to find at the cinema. It kind of seems to have had a limited release and I uh, managed to catch it in a, in a really busy schedule, but uh, I'm glad that I saw it in the cinema. It was a really fun experience. So we'll be talking about that next week. And then a fabulous old friend and co-shelver is making his Big Squid debut. It's funny. We've actually already recorded a podcast with him. But, uh, you know, we like non-linear here. And so his first podcast will be coming up later. And instead, he will be on next week. And he's going to be sharing his thoughts and my shorts on a new movie we haven't seen yet. We're seeing it next week. And uh, that movie is called... uh, Hang on a sec, where are my notes? Um, The Batman. That's right. We are seeing The Batman next week. And uh, this fabulous person and I saw Batman Begins Together back in 2004. So it only seems right we get the old team back together for this new iteration you know what, I kind of didn't give a shit about this movie and now that it's close, I'm kind of pumped. I've been doing a a lot, like uh, making a real effort to not watch any trailers uh, in the lead up, like I saw the original trailer, but geez, it's really hard with algorithms. And uh, anyway, I'm excited to uh, check that out and fingers crossed it's good. I feel feel pretty confident that at the very least it'll be good. That feels like a win, right? All right, so that'll be next week. Now, let's bring Ben in so we can get into part two. One more reminder, people, this is part two of our Twin Peaks deep dive as we look at the European movie that David Lynch made when he thought that maybe the series would not be seen abroad. And we're back. Mm. So Lynch's work is fascinating because he deals with horror in a way that is less jump scares, and more unsettling. Like you wouldn't say mm. David Lynch is a horror movie maker, but mm. it is, you know, very um, unsettling. And uh, how do you interpret the supernatural in the world of Twin Peaks? Uh, well, first a word on Dread. That is the
1: that is true horror. Jump scares yes. is not horror. Jump no, scares, that's a that's oh, a ride. I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, that's a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, South Park did a whole two parter on that uh, called "The Startling," where every time something would jump out, they'd go, "Oh, oh I'm completely startled." <laughs> Never, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no funny. dread is dread is the true like I'm going out of my mind yeah I I feel like I'm gonna throw up Uh, his relationship with the supernatural is um, I think that it's that it's that thing that some most people have felt at some time or another in their lives that maybe we do exist like another world exists on a thin membrane just outside of our field Mm. of vision mm-hmm and it's probably too horrifying to contemplate that as a reality. Yeah. And I just think in Lynch's work, it's it is a reality. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. And, it, and at any moment, it can, you know, you can see something you can't unsee. Yeah. And it's not just them, the moment of horror; it's everything that it implies after that. Right. Yes, yeah. You know,
2: and he and he he just kind of makes it uh, real in his own way. So rather than a character having a nervous breakdown. And you see them having a nervous breakdown. The character becomes a different person, yep. you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes, uh, sometimes the um, this the surrealness that can throw you is quite easily, if, if you think about it, can be boiled down. Oh yeah, in a pretty matter of fact way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You just have to, you know, it's that thing of like if you are trying to. Logically pick apart his stuff. Mm. That's when you start hitting a wall. Yeah, it's 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 the intuitive understanding of yeah the way things feel. Yeah, you know, or the metaphorical representation of a state of mind, rather yeah.
2: than you know, what is it literally? Uh, shut up! Shut up! <laughs> um, by the way, uh, we were talking. Uh, between recording and you were just sort of talking about, uh, you just reminded me then because you were talking about interpretation. What was the name of that podcast that you suggested for anyone who hasn't seen oh, Twin Peaks yeah, before? Yeah. So
1: if you if you are a person listening to this, that even if you've done Twin Peaks, but if you you know if you've never done Twin Peaks or you want to revisit Twin Peaks, mm. may I highly recommend a podcast called Diane mm-hmm. D i a n e. It's the named after. Dale Cooper's Diane. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, I maybe you've heard of this site, The Mindless Ones. Oh, yeah. Do you know yeah. that site? Yeah. The mind, it, like, I've, I was reading this stuff many years ago. It's just this collection of, it's uh, um, Rosie and her two brothers and their best friend Bob, and they are just, they're just ordinary people, but their minds are just so inspiring and they're into kabbalah and myth and tarot and the supernatural and everything and the way they interpret and analyze things is i wish that i had a quarter of their brain um and they do um a podcast this podcast this twin peaks podcast where they deep dive on every single episode yeah and it made my appreciation for not just Twin Peaks, but Lynch in general, increase a hundredfold. So yep. I would highly recommend that podcast, yep. Diane, if you want to. If you do want to go over Twin Peaks again, even if you don't want to go over it, just listening to them talk is outstanding.
2: Yeah, great. Uh, I don't know that one, so yeah, uh, I'm br- always they're looking. They're brilliant.
1: F- they're brilliant. I
2: always like having a podcast that is uh, timeless, that you can just go back and oh, get into. Th- I,
1: I've I've listened to I've listened to the whole run twice mm. over, and it's they they're those great people where they're absurdly smart like mm. the smartest people you've ever heard in your head and yep. yet really funny and not full of themselves yep. and just just great great right. great to listen to
2: so we're going to dig into the ending uh, and because it feels like uh, for this podcast in particular because we're speaking about the european uh, theatrical release of twin peaks the ending is fascinating Mm-mm. because let's get this right off the bat Lynch admitted in the book, Lynch on Lynch, mm. that he was just winging it for the ending <laughs> really? that they had to do. Yeah. He also said it had the feeling of an ending that may or may not relate to anything else. It all happened so fast and nothing was really that thought out. Uh, apologies that I didn't do it in the Lynch voice, but that is very much your domain. I do, I do it for other people, but on this podcast, that, that is your thing and I don't right. want to step on it. Thank you. But um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, with that in mind, we can interpret the ending however we want. Yeah. If he was just winging it. So, by the time we have everything in place, Cooper hears from Mike and suddenly Laura remembers there was a man... uh, Sorry, Sarah remembers there was a man in Laura's room. For me, this is the moment where the otherworldly vibe takes a nasty turn and we are not confronted... Uh, we are confronted with an evil that is beyond our comprehension. Mm. Uh, How did you interpret this ending? And and by the way, this question for me now is fascinating because you only watched it for the first time last night.
1: Again, it was really hard to interpret it because you know I I was aware that it was kind of a tacked on thing. To me, it did feel very tacked on. But I don't know if it felt very tacked on because it is very tacked on or because I know that there is another you know 20 odd hours yeah.
2: to come um it, I, I can say it did not feel tacked on to us as kids mm. when we watched it we were like like it felt exactly where it should go yeah, even wow. though even though funnily enough it has this kind of uh, languid pace and then it gets to and then suddenly oh it's over but at the time it felt like it felt Unsettling and it felt very mysterious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, but it, back to the original viewing, it didn't feel tacked on. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: again, I wish I could almost be uh, memory-wiped to watch it like that. Um, I, I It felt like I loved that sharp right turn into the thing that's kind of always been simmering in the background yeah. for the first hour and a half, and yeah. then all of a sudden it comes into the fore of yeah. this, like, Demonic netherworld That's right Right under the oh, surface Oh yeah it,
2: it, It's like uh, the um, The it, it, It's like it distills the essence Of the next 40 hours Of the series Into uh, Yep
1: Yep 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 And that shot of ending. That shot of Bob At the end of the be- You know it's like The Big Bad Wolf or something It oh, is yeah. Fucking horrifying Yeah um, oh, Yeah <laughs> Yeah it's um. Look I think it's it's just really hard for me to say because right. again, I, and and because I'm because that the 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 dream Cooper's dream of twenty five years later mm. that I've watched that a hundred times. Mm. It's I I, I mean I, I just love it not just for the mood
2: but just the camera work in it mm. is so exquisite the yep. way the camera moves in yep. and there's those long shots and um you know what always fascinated me was mm. the shadow on the curtain
1: the, the shadow of the, the 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 hanky or the napkin blowing by yeah yeah
2: unbelievable yeah. <laughs> yeah um all right well, well maybe I'll take the lead on this sure. because of because uh, I can kind of talk to yeah. that first experience yeah. of it um, I never saw the uh, Bob's face in the mirror the first time never saw it and mm. then that was in our <laughs> in our uh, yeah. you know desire to learn more about it like this is before the internet so yeah. I reckon it was a long time yeah. before I ever knew he was there yeah. in fact I was for many years under the... Uh, I had the story wrong and I thought you could see him in the first time that you went into the uh, into Laura's bedroom and he was crouching. That was my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's the story that went around for a long time. A long time, yeah. but it's actually the mirror. Yeah. And then now, because it's in, you know, beautiful Blu-ray quality, you sit there and you go, what is happening? So, wait,
1: what is the moment that he... Sh- what is the scene where he shows up in the mirror?
2: Oh, it's when she... Uh, when Sarah has the dream. So, she's on the couch and then he's in the mirror. You can see him in the mirror yeah. and it's oh, really... God. It's really clear. Yeah, right. I'll show you afterwards. Yeah, sure. But when you, you're just like, oh. Yeah. So, in this uh, version, Mike appears to have been watching Cooper and following him yeah. to this moment. He wants to find the killer Bob. I feel like maybe, he, uh, you know, Mike and Bob were the same person. Yeah. And when Mike tried to change his ways... Uh, he did so by removing his arm. And uh, in that moment, Bob split from him and continued the business. So that was... Which I think is still kind of... um, Well, could Bob even be the arm? Yeah, it's all, you know, it kind of feels like it's... Even if the idea was tacked on, it feels like it's an idea that he then explored and built on later. Oh, yeah, yeah, Definitely. definitely. I think that's why... uh, where uh, Bob is sad that Mike isn't initially there do you know what I mean because he's like oh well I just want to reconnect with my other half and then when Mike kills him they both die because they're the same person it's almost like rather in in a conventional uh, version of Twin Peaks which we would not be discussing on this (laughs) podcast um, it would be like Dale and the sheriff finding the serial killer and the serial killer kills himself yes rather than be taken in
1: yes 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 yes. you know yeah
2: By the way, big, big... Oh, sorry, go on.
1: Oh, well, it's it's interesting when Mike kills Bob. Cooper and um, Truman don't try to stop him. Yeah, They don't arrest him. They they don't even... they, They just... It's like they understand this needs to happen.
2: It's a fascinating ending because, you know, Dale comes to... And this is part of what, for me, in this interpretation of this ending is why... The murder still haunts him because he didn't really solve anything. He came in with all this agency, mm. and in the end, was just a witness. Sure, and that's yeah, why. Yeah, that's yeah. why I really quite like this ending. Sure, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I, when I watched it, I was like, "Well, it's definitive. Bob killed Laura, and then Mike yeah. kills Bob." But it's like, yeah, from um, from um, Cooper's perspective, it's yeah. like, well, "What the fuck? Is, what? What?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what was even going on for he's, real?" He's been on this mission for a long time, and then mm. he's, uh, you know. Uh, Just before I get into this A big shout out To the sheriff as well uh, Because he is a blank slate All the way through this And of course He doesn't react Because he barely reacts To anything You know Like it's It's a genuine shock That he's having an affair With Josie Because (laughs) you feel like The sheriff would go home And say I'm the sheriff And then go to sleep And wake up and go I'm the sheriff You know (laughs) He's very funny. Yeah. Um, but I think this moment of confronting evil is a lot for Cooper. He's gone from the brash FBI agent who wants to solve a case to coming to the conclusion that there is a force out there beyond his understanding and control. Mm. And when he whispers, make a wish, and the candles blow out, this is his moment for wanting everything to return to the world he understood before. Mm. That's just my interpretation yeah, yeah, of yeah. this. Um, and then twenty five years later, in this netherworld he 's still consumed by his failure to not only solve the crime in a satisfactory way but that he was wrong to think of it as a case. Mm. It was a young girl who was murdered, and he is responsible for his sins and i, I think mm. it's I think it 's him uh like i in in this interpretation, this is his subconscious, and I think he 's allowing Laura. Or of, you know, like the cousin of Laura. Because it can't be Laura because Laura's dead. But it's someone who looks like Laura, who's related to Laura. And when she's whispering to him, my interpretation is that she is forgiving him. Yeah.
1: No, there's a definite grace when she approaches him.
2: Yeah. It's
1: not it's not hostile.
2: No, it's it's time to let go. It's okay. Yeah. You didn't solve it. Yeah. You didn't. You know, you maybe maybe the the man from another world is the id and it's the ego, the super yeah, ego, yeah, yeah, all yeah. coming together yeah. to finally lay to rest the fact that, you know, who knows? Like in in this version, maybe Dale Cooper is not an effective FBI agent anymore. Maybe he's mm. not. Maybe he leaves. Like maybe th- maybe this really. Shatters everything uh, about his approach to work. There, there,
1: there's an element to the older Dale Cooper that seems broken, mm. disaffected. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have that brash kind of uh, you know confidence that the younger one does. It, yeah. it, 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 the, 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 if we are just looking at this as a standalone piece, the implication could be that yeah, this this case broke something in him. Or again, it's that awakening into a type of adulthood, like similar to what we're talking about with Bobby Briggs, you know, the the brashness and the confidence, you know, the years ends up sapping away. Yeah. uh, After you realize certain things about life or yourself or whatever. And yeah, it seems like maybe this, this, um, this incident, Maybe broke Dale Cooper. Oh, we don't. Yeah. We don't see a scene after he says "Make a wish," where he's like, "Anyway, I really enjoyed my time at Twin Peaks. No.
2: I'll see you again." No, it's that's it. No, and when he says "Make a wish," like those candles go out and mm. the, his world is plunged into darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Man, Matthew Paxson and I, we used to discuss this all the time. <laughs> like we were obsessed with this. So here's something for you. Uh, and the you know this will be uh, the last thing kind of before we get into the squid bits, mm. but in relation to the series and the sequel, I now see this. Uh, by the way, I kind of wrote this before mm. I read the thing about the double ending being you know seventeen and eighteen. Oh yes, yeah, sure, sure. Because sure. Uh, look, my my interpretation originally, and I think it might. I don't think we've actually discussed this, but I think it might hue closely to where you're at with it, was that Dale is destined to always fail because you can't overcome evil. And you can't change the past. And you can't change the past. You can't. You might want to, but you can't. <laughs> yeah, and so that's why it's this really... like so. Yeah. So to find Laura living in another world and reminding her of what happened is... Actually kind of awful Well he's not doing
1: it for her right. I think that's that That's Dale Cooper's Ultimate sin At right. the end of Twin Peaks The Return Is that he is not Saving Laura Palmer He's trying to save himself Yeah And so what is ultimately What is he ultimately Trying to achieve yeah. and is, the, is there Is there that selflessness That he had when he was A younger man Or is right. it an older man <laughs> trying to correct the mistakes of the past. Often right. when older men try to correct the mistakes of the past, they're not doing it for the person that they wronged. Right, right. <laughs> they're trying to stop the demons screaming in their own head.
2: Yeah. Which is interesting uh, because that's kind of where I was at with it and then, you know, with this other interpretation, like, you know, maybe I'll rewatch it and yeah. maybe I'll enjoy both interpretations in my head. I've had that with a few things sure. where you you have You know, two different ideas on what it is sitting in your head concurrently.
1: I do think that the bleaker ending, as much as we might not want it to end that way, is more internally consistent with the entire theme of Twin Peaks The Return. And for me, the major theme of Twin Peaks The Return is a refutation of these legacy sequels and return to older series of can't go back. Right. Hey, you know the log lady? You loved her. Guess what? She's dying of cancer now because it's yeah. 25 years later. Can't yeah. go back.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was... Look, it's been a tough start to 2020. Sorry. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to apologise. But, uh, but so, so watching it this time through, uh, for me, uh, I saw it as the curse of Dale Cooper. I, I think he's been through all of this many times. For me, this is his Russ Cole time as a flat circle. Moment and he has relived this moment over and over again. And so, uh, I thought the way I slotted this into the Twin Peaks mythology is this is how it plays out this time,
0: and then the series is Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore.
2: And that's the setup And that's why at the end of Twin Peaks The Return Cooper once again fails to realise that He can't save Laura And ends up pulling her into the real world To relive her nightmares Um, Yeah Or as Lynch said It's just a net movie with a tacked on ending But um, (laughs) but yeah It was fascinating because You know I wrote that with With my interpretation of the ending in mind And then I read this uh, idea that you watch one on top of the other yeah, yeah, and you yeah. go, oh, okay. Yeah. So... Uh, it's there, sure. I,
0: it, would,
1: I would love to watch it like that. I would, I, You know, we we talk about this a lot on this podcast in that, you know, there is no one interpretation. Yeah. And Thank that's goodness. The beauty, that's the beauty of all, uh, you know, of all good art. Yeah. Is that one time it means this, the next time it means something different. It doesn't, you know, when it means something different, it doesn't cancel out the first meaning. Yeah. You know, um, I do think that the, the telling shot of, Twin Peaks: The Return is the in the final credit sequence. Uh, the final thing you see is Laura whispering something into Dale Cooper's ear, and him with a look of horror on his face. That is right. the, that is the final image. Right. Uh, and I always interpreted that as her whispering, y- "You're wasting your time, brother. You're wasting your time."
2: <laughs> but. But maybe um, not. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. And You're gonna buy another
1: TV so you can watch both episodes I'm gonna, simultaneously. I'm gonna
2: spend four grand on a brand new TV. <laughs> and I'm gonna set it all up just for that experience uh. and then claim it all on tax. <laughs> but it, once again, this speaks to the enduring legacy of uh, yeah. of this series. That this thing that I watched when I was a teenager, yeah. I'm still sitting here decades later yes. trying to work out. What I Want it to be Not even think it is What I want it to be Like that's why That's why I was almost Relieved when I found This interpretation Of Twin Peaks The Return Because You know Like I think we may have Mentioned this before My My journey with that Was Yeah yeah, yeah. Hilarious Because I was also If I remember correctly I was watching that And the final series Of The Leftovers At the same time Something that Definitively has the yeah. Twin Peaks DNA in it too, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and um, yeah, it 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 felt like. I think as you get older, and I know this kind of probably in the work that I'm attracted to and the work that I'd like to produce, I do want to uh, find grace. In, yeah, sure. in the art that i consume and find uh, a level of positivity even if there is even if it's like a a melancholic yeah uh, uh positivity so yeah great like and i'm i'm so glad <laughs> i hadn't i hadn't watched the european version for decades as well so re-watching it and getting that little yeah, moment yeah, at the yeah, end yeah definitely. it's great uh a few Squid Bits here, like once... By the way, Jesus Christ, I have kept it to 23 points. But Jesus it Christ. was like, at one point, I just went, take that out, take that out. We, You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, what, with all of Lynch's stuff, like, you know, sometimes with Squid Bits, it's Ugh. like, man, I'm going to be lucky if I can find three. But with this, it's <laughs> like, you know, you know what? you got the Diane podcast. Go to that. It's so good. Right. Oh, you know, just off the top, uh, something I was going to say to you before was... Um, you know the way uh, women are treated as murder victims mm. in uh, popular culture. Mm. Uh, I did the Total Reboot podcast. Shout out to our friends Cam and Alexei. Mm-hmm. We uh, they were doing a, a Christmas movie specials, yes. and uh, I rewatched uh, Lethal Weapon. Never and seen it. The opening to you'll be fine. The opening to <laughs> Lethal Weapon is exactly what you suggested of like a just a titillating Sexy murder uh, Suicide Ah oh, you know? Sexy suicide Awful Just awful <whistles> I really I had a good time doing the podcast I had real issues watching Watching,
1: uh, watching Grub Movies after the Total Reboot podcast
2: is always the most fun Yes Yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's their uh, X-Men mutant ability. (laughs) Okay. So, Lynch and Frost pitched the idea of Twin Peaks to ABC with nothing more than an image and a concept. And essentially, the idea was mix a police investigation with a soap opera, which I guess were probably two of the most uh, prominent genres in TV back then, right? By the way, anything that you think of as well, uh, bring up. Uh, Something I only noticed this time... Uh, the camera follows the spiral phone cord downwards As Sarah Palmer begins to spiral into Bandus After learning of Brilliant. Laura's death Never picked up on that before yeah. But this time I watched it I went, oh, oh, this is great <laughs> I may have clapped I sit by myself uh, David Lynch said this about Twin Peaks
1: <sighs> Come
2: on No Come on You can read it what a,
1: all right. it's Turn it Turn uh, no, around no, Number three Number three? What is it? The pilot is the only thing I am particularly extremely proud of. There were great moments along the way. The second season sucked. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? Uh, there's, look, there's great moments in the second season. Yeah. It comes good in the last three episodes. Right.
2: Look, I, I also, you know, there's... Uh, you know we'll get into this but there's you know there's different writers that you know frost and lynch have kind of well he backed away so he backed away he, he you know when he says it sucks it's like well some of that's on you buddy well it's it's also one of those things where it's like imagine trying to continue his vision yeah like like it's it, he and frost uh are So in sync, and it's it's so particular to to then like if like I love Lost Highway, Lost Highway when uh, we get uh, to it, is uh, probably uh, my uh. favourite Lynch movie, yeah. and probably at this point in my life and has been for a, a while one of my top five films. Wow! But if you said to me continue the story of Lost Highway, it would be dog shit because I can't tap into that. Well,
1: it's it's not just that; it's you know like the Lynch aesthetic is. The only, the only, you, you can't. <laughs> it's so idiosyncratic that people who try to imitate it are imitating the surface yeah. parts of it. Yeah. You know, Whoa, it's weird. Well, there,
2: there was like you know northern exposure, yeah. and picket fences, yeah, and yeah, yeah, it yeah, really, yeah. you know, yeah. and that, and that's why a lot of the things that did come in its wake were. It, even if you kind of enjoyed them at the time, I'm sure I've just said things that have once again made people go. Oh, I have not thought of them in a at long least I time. Love picket fences. Yeah, like it was Fiveshinkel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, of course, uh, we probably all know this, but Lynch blamed the network ABC for ruining the series. Lynch only directed episodes one and two and then the finale for season mm. two. And he said, you know, who killed who Laura Palmer was a question that we never really wanted to answer. That was the goose that laid these golden eggs. And at a certain point, we were told to wrap that up and it never really got, going after that and he said it got very stupid and goofy in the second season it got ridiculous <laughs> Lynch but five, there, I, I know there, what you there, mean. there's
1: a stretch of about five episodes where it's like oh this is not
2: good but I thought doesn't that- someone who who is it that ends up in the doorknob
1: oh, are we spoiling that oh Anyway, someone ends up in a someone door-knob. turns into a doorknob, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> not. I, I think that's not bad. Uh, but the ultimate revelation of who the killer is, I thought was fucking cool. Yeah, so did I. I think it's great. Yeah, and like, and he shits all over it to this day. But it's like, no, I think it's really. Fu- I think it the, without spoiling it. I think the performance is incredible. The, the transition of the transformation of that character. Yeah, I think it's. Outstanding. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get to who the killer is in... Um, Firewalk in with ...in two me. episodes time. Yeah, but yeah.
2: it's... Um, yeah, you know, and he builds no, on great. it too. And then the final episode is
1: fucking sick, man. Oh, my it's Lord. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's truly terrifying. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, it is. Well, you know, he said, you know, after Leland was revealed as the killer, he was no longer involved with the show and stopped watching it. So maybe he still had... Uh, some involvement in in the lead-up to that part of it, but uh, anyway. Uh, when Lynch did return, he threw out a lot of the work. This, this is for the finale. He threw out a lot of the work already done on the finale, including replacing a moment where Laura returns as a heavenly glow of white light and puts herself between Bob and Agent Cooper, with Laura having blank eyes and screaming backwards and... Uh, Oh, so, um, yeah, so sorry, I've written this incorrectly. So she was meant to come back as a heaven elite glow of white light um, and puts herself between Bob and Agent Cooper. But then instead, we get Laura with blank eyes screaming backwards and her face in a close up under a strobe while Cooper does his best to escape the Black Lodge. Yeah, it's and terrifying. It's, terrifying. it's terrifying. I rewatched that scene because I was like, Qualifying. oh, yeah, I remember that. And then I rewatched it and went, why did I yeah. watch this at 11 pm? Total nightmare fuel. Phew. Um, A scene from the finale gives us insight into the series and particularly the finale of Twin Peaks The Return where a scene from the pilot in the double R diner is uh, redone close to verbatim, although the characters don't seem to be aware this has happened before and uh, maybe this suggests that Twin Peaks has descended into a purgatory-like death spiral uh. as good and evil continue to fight without any chance of a victor emerging. Uh, the population of Twin Peaks is 51,201. Uh. It was originally going to be 5,120. it should be, yes. but too many. Well, the ABC network asked them to change yeah. it because they thought the number was too small and therefore unrelatable.
1: It's, it's stupid because it's, it's clearly a town of 5,000 people. Yeah It's clearly a, sm- a very small town Everyone knows everyone
2: Yeah Yeah I was like mm. It's so funny I've never really thought about that before But Can't then be I, was 50, like, I was like I was like 50,000? Yeah, no, 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 no There's 33 main characters yeah. I reckon there's 45 people there <laughs> uh, Cooper mentions an agent called Sam And then I'm guessing that is Kiefer Sutherland's character From Fire Walk With Me mm-hmm. Special Agent Sam Stanley Yeah uh, in the final scene, where Sarah Palmer has an upsetting vision, you can see the reflection of set decorator Frank Silver in the mirror behind her. This was an accident, but Lynch loved it so much he chose him to play the killer Bob. Little Hammo fact. Mum always thought they got it wrong with Bob for one reason. Do you mm-hmm. want to take a guess? There's one thing that she reckons is a major flaw in Bob. But he's not a great actor. <laughs> no? <laughs> I don't know. His hair's too clean. He's got clean hair. Oh, really? And when I was a kid, it used to drive me nuts because mum would bang on about it and I'd be like, whatever, he's scary, etc." blah, blah, blah. And then uh, when she saw The Dark Knight, and mum was a huge, like she got yeah. on the Heath Ledger train very early. Yeah. And uh, when she saw him as the Joker and saw his hair, the first thing she said was, that's How Bob's hair should have been And I was
1: like With all due respect to your mum I completely disagree I think that the clean hair Is more chilling Do you? Well he's well groomed Right There's something about that That's fucking yuck
2: I reckon That uh, this demonic entity Keeps his hair clean (laughs) Right I guess so Uh, i I've come around to mum. She held on to that for twenty eight years. So now yep. you know that yeah, I am indeed my mother's it. son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, if I was going to have the clean hair, I would. You know what I'd give him? I'd give him dirty fingernails. No, I'd give him long, clean nails. Oh right. Yeah. So I'd either go. Yeah. I'd either go dirty fingernails, dirty hair, clean nails. I kind of. I, I kind of like that he's a well groomed uh, demonic entity. Interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. The things that stand out Of course Uh, The reason we have The alternate ending To the pilot And hence this version Of the movie All came down to a Contractual obligation That's all it was The flickering light In the morgue You would know this Was an accident that uh, but Lynch liked it so much He gave Jim the morgue attendant some lines So they could stay in the scene longer And enjoy how disconcerting it is And then also the actor playing Jim Misheard Dale Cooper's line And thought he was asking for his real name So he gave it And Lynch loved this lifelike moment And kept it in the movie You
1: almost see Harry Truman crack up in that moment uh, Yeah, I, I
2: I went back and rewatched <laughs> that a couple of times Because it was making me laugh so much uh, And also, big props to Kyle McLaughlin. Oh yeah yeah, you never you never you always keep going. Yeah, it was great. Never drop character. And also shows you how good Michael O'Hankin is as the sheriff that he still manages to keep the 99% of his blankness, but you can see you can just see the <laughs> mildest of moments. Uh-oh. Oh. Uh The original title for the show? Northwest Passage. Passage yeah. Um but I think there was a I think there is a Northwest Passage, so that's mm. why they changed it. Mm. Uh did you know that Josie Packard was originally supposed to be Italian? Oh, really? Yep. And the role was originally written for Isabella Rosalini. Fascinating, right? Yeah. That is a interesting what if. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think Joan Chen is Absolutely. perfect because it it is. You know, mainstream television yeah. and the way things were cast back then. Yeah. Well, <laughs> who are we kidding? Still, for the majority, cast. But yeah. you know, it is. Yeah. But Isabella Rossellini would have been pretty sure. fantastic yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it would have would have been a different power dynamic, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, I think but, she would have butted up against Catherine Martell more. Yeah, yeah. It would have been more, more like. Oh, she's going to throw down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Fleshworld was originally called Sex Toys, Swingers, oh. Coast to Coast. <laughs> Fleshworld's no, Flesh,
1: better. Fleshworld's much better.
2: Yeah. It's funny, Sex Toys, nah, Swingers, Coast to Coast, and then you go, oh, no <laughs> thanks. This hurt me. The trees that Cooper loves aren't Douglas firs, but in fact, Ponderosa pines. Do you think there's tree huggers out there who get as angry as people do when an actor plays the wrong ethnic character? 100%.
1: 100%. <laughs> I know people who get the shits when a bird emits the wrong call in a movie. People, oh, like, really? I know people who crack it at that. You know
2: who I reckon would do that? Uh, Rove.
1: <laughs> is, he a bird? is
2: Rove a bird guy? Oh, Rove is an animal guy. Have you ever not no, talked to No, I know, know
1: Rov's an animal guy, but I didn't know oh, uh, mate, specifically it's birds. It's
2: unbelievable. And the oh. only person who seems to know more about uh, animals is um, his daughter. Ah, <laughs> oh,
1: she is...
2: Awesome. Oh, man. You, you,
1: she is... No, Rove and I have talked animals before, yeah. but I, I didn't know it was a, uh, a profound
2: passion. You have to meet his daughter. She is one of the smartest and funniest people I've ever met. <laughs> and she's, what, six? <laughs> um... Donald Glover claimed that he set out to make a version of Twin Peaks that revolved around rappers in Atlanta. Have you watched Atlanta?
1: I've never seen Atlanta. Mate. You've told me for many years to do myself a favor. Well,
2: here's some good news, my friend. After many years, season three starts in March. Oh, good. So, time to get on board, my friend. (laughs) And I watched the trailer and I was like immediately, and this has not been out for a while, and I watched the trailer literally last night. I didn't know it was coming out. I watched the trailer and I was like, I cannot wait to catch up with all of them. <laughs> all of them. I really love that series. I might even do a week-to-week on Atlanta, actually. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Chase has cited Twin Peaks as an influence on The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I think it was kind of like the long shots and, you know, that goes into some, you know. Yeah,
1: we don't talk about that. We talk a lot about the influence of the tone, but the camera work and how filmic it actually is would have been a huge influence.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's so funny. I think there is so many, um, you know, I think the the, the tendrils of influence... uh, Beyond our comprehension mm, Yeah uh, Lindelof has uh, No surprise Talked about it being an influence On Lost and the Leftovers uh, This is disappointing Lynch's next project Wisteria Which was supposed to be 33 one hour episodes And was going to be produced By Netflix Appears to be cancelled <gasps> uh, Nobody knew What it was going to be But there were rumours It might be a sequel To Twin Peaks Or Mulholland Drive When did this ha- I just found it out This oh. is all What I found out Over the weekend really bummed out about that because i'd you know when you know something's coming like to be honest getting back to atlanta you know the um uh like i knew there was going to be a season three because of the way season two finishes but you know when you don't know when it's going to be It's, it's also like um i have loved better call saul and then there was the break, and then there was COVID, and then poor Bob Odenkirk had uh. that uh, heart scare. And it's, uh, you know, it's like you go, I can't wait to see it so much, but I can't think about it. And that's where Wisteria was for me, it was pushed right back down. It's
1: really strange.
2: I wonder what's going on. We can do some research, but I just got so bummed out when I kind of read it that I was yeah. just like, oh. Well, oh, let's move on, mate. Yeah. Let's move on, and finally, another little hamo fact. Uh, we loved uh, Twin Peaks so much. Mum and I had a beautiful blue heeler kelpie cross called Cooper. Oh. He was a very good boy. Uh, his uh, main skill was he was able to pick up a tennis ball and kick it with his paw. What a legend. So he So you'd throw the ball, he'd go and get it, and he would stop about a metre and a half from you, would drop it from his mouth, and then kick it to you with his paw. Legend. And I know how magical it was, because somehow, uh, when I was young, the Doug Anthony All-Stars came over for dinner, uh, and uh, Paul McDermott was mesmerised by it. <laughs> He's like... Your dog just kicked the ball And we went I know (laughs) Um, He also For a big dog uh, When we Ended up With There was one night Where we were taking Coops for a walk And we heard A cat Screaming mm. up in a tree, and uh, so I climbed the tree. This shows you how long ago it was. I just climbed the tree, and uh, at the end of the tree was a little white ball of fluff. And I put it out in my hand, and uh, this little ball of fluff went donk, 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 and sat in the palm of my hand. It was a kitten. Oh. Someone had uh, cut off its uh, whiskers. Oh God! And I climbed down and showed Mum the cat, and Mum looked and went fuck. I own a cat. And so that cat was called Fox. He was a good cat. And he was a bad influence on Cooper because Cooper was fine. And then he saw Fox was sitting on laps. And then Cooper went, well, I can sit on laps as well. And uh, you know what? I might even put up a photo on Facebook. I'll show you of Cooper, that massive dog, sitting on me think and looking at my mum as if to say, what? The, the cat does not uh, is there anything else you would like to add to this? I feel like we've been pretty no, as thorough We've been as you thorough. Can.
1: We've been thorough. I, I do look forward to watching um, Firewalk with me as the sequel to this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting, isn't it? Definitely. And, uh, you know, I I enjoy this podcast anyway, but I'm wrapped that I didn't know that you'd never seen this before. Yeah, it's great. It's great. How exciting to... There's only
1: other one, one other Lynch, two other Lynch things I've never seen. Right. Which we will get to.
2: Yeah. I'm... Um, How exciting is it to be a fan of Twin Peaks and be across everything and then just get a tasty little 15 minutes of, you know, (laughs) it's great. Thank you to Ben for the fun discussion about Twin Peaks. I genuinely love a piece of art that changes over time with your life experiences and your broadening knowledge and the way you kind of look at things differently and it kind of implies that in some way the art is still alive and that is very exciting to me after all these years. I've been kind of chopping and changing with this rewatch of David Lynch's work and thinking about how it affects my thoughts on Twin Peaks The Return, which I still love, but feeling uh, uh, like the ending's a lot more optimistic than I originally Uh, thought it was when I first saw it. So that's uh, an interesting experience. Uh, If you're enjoying our work here, please leave us a top review on whichever platforms you use to listen to Big Squid. And if you would like more uh, work, you can... I was going to say content, but if Ben hears this podcast, I'm fucked. So if you would like more from me, (laughs) uh, head over to bigsquidpod.com. You can find some uh, free blogs over there, uh, including the latest one which is about the joy I felt in watching a young fella at the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, Also at the Patreon site, I'm not only putting up uh, extra podcasts, but you can also access the scripts to each podcast that are written. Uh, So, you know, sometimes there's information in them that you might want to be able to access. You know, you, you miss it as we're talking and you can't find it again, so you can access it there. And I'm also putting up the original Watchmen scripts that I wrote way back in our first season, so there's a lot of stuff over there as well. Let's finish on a quote from Leland Palmer. Uh, Well, not necessarily Leland Palmer, but the actor who played Leland Ray Wise. The devil is a cross between a really good used car salesman and a game show host, but with a lot more style and charm. There's a little Cary Grant thrown in there too. Sounds like a perfect summation of the devil, don't you think? Until then.